I'd like for us to turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture, and maybe some of his favorite. I hope I don't ruin it for you. Psalm 91. Get my reading specs on. It is certainly good to be here. Enjoy the prayer meetings, and y'all started these about the time May had her foot surgery, and I know what a blessing that was to me. Isn't it wonderful to be able to come into God's presence and be comfortable? What a thrill it is to pray through, to be in God's presence, and both of you be comfortable. That is apropos to what I hope to say tonight. I hope you didn't come to hear me, but I hope you've come tuned into the Holy Spirit. He has something to say to us. I'm using the NIV tonight, and some of the rest of you have been using it. I decided to do it. Besides, it's got wide margins, I can write in them. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He shall save you from this fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor for the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. It will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. <clears throat> if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command your angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. You know, the devil quoted that. We'll get to that later. To guard you in all your ways, that they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Then hear what God has to say if you do this. Because... I, have all, I try to have all the becauses in my Bible underlined as I read through. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. Prayer is a part of it and answers to prayer is a part of what God provides. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Father, we've come to worship you. We've had a time of prayer and it was wonderful. We come here to hear you speak. Open our hearts and our minds to hear you, not me. Let Jesus be exalted. For Jesus' sake, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each and every one of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, thank you for what you're going to do and are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I suppose you've heard you're in good hands with Allstate. Or Prudential has the strength of Gibraltar. Or like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Sometimes. No, that's not in there. But I think whatever you think of those insurance companies, or whether you have any of them, 
I think you can agree with an old retired minister, Professor at Asbury, who used to say, Psalm 91 is the Christian's insurance policy. And it's one we can count on. Insurance, they have their limitations. They can't bless you, but God can. They can't protect you, really. They can only give you something after you've had something happen. I mean, life insurance, you can only collect on it after you're dead, or something like that. But God has something where He can and does and wants to protect. This is the kind of assurance that we have. Fanny Cross wrote, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. And when you can stand on that, you have an incredible peace and glory and strength that the world can't give, the insurance can't give you, because God can do and will do these things for you. Not we always recognize it, but it's there. And I hope we'll have a little better understanding of that as we go through this psalm. Now, I'm not going to try to get into details with this psalm. We don't have enough time. There's only 24 hours in a day, and we'd like to get finish this page at least. But I do want us to think about the Christian's insurance policy. I want us to think about what God has provided and is giving to us and what is being provided for us. The first thing I'd like to note, though, is not everybody has one of these policies. It's not because God hasn't offered it. Jesus purchased it and paid for it at Calvary. It is a paid-for, paid-up policy. But not everybody has it. So the first thing I'd like for us to notice, who are the divine policy holders? Who has this kind of a policy? Who has this before them? Who is this for? And It says here, who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who rests in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He's my fortress. The person who is living within the will of God, the one whose refuge and strength is God, not themselves, not the ability that man has to offer, or the things that are provided to us from others but those who dwell in what God has provided. We're trusting in Him. He is the one who is providing for us. They're the ones who have had a policy issued to them and are in possession of a policy. These are the ones that God says, you have my policy that was purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ and it's good and it will carry you through whatever it's going to do. So let's get a bit of an umbrella vision of what God is going to do. And the second thing I'd like for us to notice is the divine providence. For that's where the benefits come into play. And that's where the protection that God gives. And verses 3 through 8, God tells us what the providences of God are for us. He tells us that he will save us from the snare of the fowler. He will cover you with his feathers. His faith will be your shield and ramparts. You will not fear the terror. A thousand shall fall at your side. And all these things comes under the providence of God. I had a friend one time who used to thank God. He did, too. Every time he had a flat tire or was late for an appointment because of some accident or something that kept him from being involved in something. We had a group of singers coming from one of our colleges to one of the churches I was pastoring in Indiana. And they had something happen and they, were, they kept them from being involved in an accident. We had a praise service after they got there because God had protected them. He used to thank God because he said, that means God kept me from being involved in something. And God's providences are not something that we can manipulate God with, and we see that in a moment, but it's something that gets God's protection over us to take care of what we can't take care of ourselves, and God says, hey, that's my problem. Don't you worry about it. Now, I don't know about you, but I've sometimes had trouble thinking God couldn't worry about it enough. 
Trouble is, I haven't found anything he worried about yet. But God is saying, I want you to realize you're under this umbrella and I'm watching. I care about you so much, I even send angels to be in charge over you. And I'm not so sure that I haven't seen a few times when I was pretty conscious after it happened at least that there was an angel involved or there was some serious consequences that didn't happen. I've had cars slide, it stopped. I, I know what it is, I had a car... I wouldn't won't buy a certain brand of tire after, after a car I had spun around and rode on me on a wet road. But this is because God protected. There was the providences of God that was there before I knew it and before I knew it needed Him taking care of it. And this is the providence that the, this insurance policy provides for us. And I don't care what you're going through. And you don't know either. God is already there. He is already providing for you just as my friend who was a district superintendent, used to thank God every time something happened that kept him from being someplace so he could be involved. I had a professor in seminary who was born two years after his father was supposed to have died. His appendix ruptured at home. This would be in the early 1900s, so you can see how serious it was at home. The doctor told the Rose family he's not going to make it. But the doctor's sister prayed through. Aren't you glad there are people who are on speaking terms with God? Aren't you glad there are people you know that you can call if you need someone to pray through? They can. That's the providences of God at work. When you can't do anything about it, and he survived. Two years later, Delbert was born. Now, Delbert Rose became an outstanding pastor, evangelist, a college dean, seminary professor, tremendous professor, holiness preacher. Man, he was good. But see, God knew that Delbert Rose needed to be born because he had a ministry for Delbert Rose and even though his father wasn't a Christian yet, God's providences covered him so Delbert could be born. And God is working in your life and in my life because he knows down the road what needs to take place and you need to be a part of that channel. Maybe it's just a connecting link. Oh, Delbert Rose's dad got saved too. God was working. I heard Delbert Rose tell that story himself. And what a blessing that man has proved to be. But God had to intervene. That's God's providence. Now, the providences of God, as we go on down through here hurriedly, verses 9 through 12, we see the divine promise that God gives. God's provisions that God gives to us. We see what's going on. Now, these promises in the, God, it's not something to coerce God. It's not something that we can use to manipulate God, that's not in the center of God's will. And we see that even more clearly when we look, when the devil quoted verses 11, was it 11 and 12? He quoted that to Jesus. And remember what Jesus answered? It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And that's reason enough, but that's not the only reason why we can't manipulate God. You cannot manipulate God if you're living under the shadow of the Almighty. You see, when you try to manipulate God, then you've got to get outside of it and try to get Him to do something for you. That's not the purpose. These are not rewards that God that gives to us. They're provisions, they're promises, and that's better than a reward that God has for us. <clears throat> These things may not seem to, be, seem to be bad, and there may be all kinds of bad things going on. But God says, I'm in charge. Trust me. Now, sometimes it's a little difficult, isn't it? I think it was in December of 73 
We'd been home Christmas time to visit our parents. We were pastoring in New Jersey, Vineland, New Jersey. And I came back to be chaplain at the hospital. And you go in, they give you the cards of the ones that had been admitted uh, since the last chaplain visit. And you go around to visit and check on them. When I got to the pediatric ward, I threw the cards in my pocket. I don't need cards to visit the pediatric wards. I just need to get in the door. I walked in, and one of the rooms, there was this little four-month-old baby, Christopher, in an oxygen tent. He'd spent Christmas in the hospital with pneumonia in serious condition. The family was totally unchurched, large family. I could make a very, 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 very long story, but I won't. All that was involved, the mother was there, very broken up. Christopher was not doing well. I visited, had prayer. Went back to visit later. Went on Saturday to check on him, and they'd sent Christopher home. I'm not sure why. It was a small hospital. Maybe they figured he was just as well off at home since they had reduced staff at the hospital over the weekend. Uh, we had a, our, old, our youngest son was born in that hospital. But I went to check on him. So I went to visit him. Now, it had snowed that day. Now, I'm from here in southwest Virginia. I grew up in Salem. And those people in New Jersey worried about this poor southern boy in their snow. The only trouble I had with New Jersey snow was getting in front of the natives. I mean, their roads are straight, they're level. I went over to visit. Had a good visit, began to work with them, did Bible study. Husband got off from work at midnight. I, I got up and went over to the house at midnight to do Bible study. They were studying with the Jehovah Witnesses also. I told Marie, the mother, I said, when you decide which one of us is right, let me know. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Would you believe it was when she called me? And she was born in Philadelphia. Her dad she never met. He died on a submarine in World War II uh, and never saw her. And I had the privilege in March the 3rd of dedicating Christopher to the Lord. That was a great day. That was a great day. Now, Butch, he had laryngitis that morning. He couldn't talk. (laughs) That night... Had some great Sunday night services, haven't we? We sang, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Now, the Domenico family was sitting the third seat on my right there in that church in Vineland, and Butch had to try to testify. Now, I looked up the other day, and I'd still got to preach that night. I don't know if that was a good idea or not, but what a day that had been. All because a little boy, four months old, had pneumonia. No, that's not good. If he'd have died, he'd have gone to heaven and the rest of the family was totally unchurched. Nobody else and the Jehovah Witnesses were working with them. So they had everything stacked against them. But God's provision. It didn't have to be me. It was a Christian came across the family and they were hungry. Didn't really know it. Well, she, mother knew she was hungry and was suicidal over it because she didn't know what it was she needed. God provides. God provides. And that's what this insurance company, this insurance is all about. Jesus provides. He has what we need. And He wants to give it. I told that story at Butch's funeral. And the people in the church, they'd moved up to northern Pennsylvania by then, and said, that's the way Butch told it too. That was what God had done. Pneumonia and a four-month-old baby 
dysfunctional family. God covered Christopher and reached the family. But you know, there's a, even promises. God, you notice, speaks here in the rest of the chapter, beginning at verse 14. He gives the provisions that he has for us, and there are great things that are here. He says he promises to answer prayer. He promises long life. He says these things are good. Someone has well written, anything is good that causes us to draw closer to God, and it's something is bad if it causes us to drift away from Him. Calm winds and good things can be bad if they cause us to drift further away from God. But how in the world can you say God answers prayer? I remember reading someplace in the book Heidi, I don't know if any of you have ever read it, in Swiss Mountain. But she says in there, it is a good thing that God doesn't give us what we ask for if he knows he has something better for us. And some of you are going to understand this, I think, very well. The worst answers to prayer I have ever gotten in my life is when God did it the way I told him to. God's insurance policy. And we parents know that about our kids sometimes too. And we're God's kids. And we're just as immature as ours can be sometimes. God wants to give to us. And we pray and we pray and we wonder what's going on. God says he will answer that prayer. Now, sometimes he says no And sometimes he says, wait a while, but he does answer. You either have or will have or have available to you, but I printed off some things to think. When I was in high school, an algebra teacher gave this to the class many years ago for a Christmas gift. I asked the Lord for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for help that I might do great things. I was given infirmity, that I might do better things. I asked for riches, that I might be happy. I was given poverty, that I might be wise. I asked for all things, that I might enjoy life. I was given life, that I might enjoy all things. I was given nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Despite myself, my prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. I've learned that. I imagine many of you have too. And we could spend a lot of time telling incidences where God didn't answer the way we thought. But he was right. And maybe you, like me, have had to apologize to God. Whoops, I'm sorry. You were right. I was wrong. That's the way it should have been done. But now, wait a minute. How about this long life? I've buried some very young people. I've buried some caskets that one person carried. I remember one in Allentown, Pennsylvania, where the father carried the casket from the car to the graveside. I think the child lasted three days, three and a half days. He was a preacher. He was a pastor. How can you say, with long life will I satisfy? Notice the word satisfy. Don't lose that. Charles Spurgeon said something interesting about long life. He liveth long who liveth well. All other life is short and vain. He liveth longest who can tell of living most for heavenly gain. He liveth long who liveth well, all else is being flung away. He liveth longest who can tell of true things truly done each day. Long life is not measured 
in the number of years you live or the number of minutes. It's measured in what God accomplishes and with the seeds that God has planted and the results that God brings. Long life, number of years is not necessarily a blessing, is it? I've been in times, situations where I've actually been asked to pray, Lord, take him. I remember a great, great preacher. His wife, one of the greatest saints I've ever had the privilege of knowing, and he was fantastic. And we prayed that the Lord would take him. Grady Castillo, great man of God. That was right. And I've had people ask me to pray that the Lord heal him. And I've asked, actually asked, which do you want a permanent healing or temporary? We could praise God and when mother and dad were taken away because the suffering was over. Our family sang, our boys and my wife, at my dad's funeral, the Hallelujah Square. And each of the boys had something to say. It was scripted, more or less. My dad was legally blind. Grandpa could see now. He had very poor hearing. Grandpa can hear now. And our youngest son, I still remember said something like this. I don't know if they have a track team in heaven or not. My, I have my dad's track letter and treasure it. But granddaddy can run now. Long life. He lived a long, satisfying life. Yes, what was it, 86, 7, something like that. But it wasn't the number of years. Daddy accomplished something for Jesus. Behind the scenes, and my mother was always behind the scenes. And yet when the Wesleyan Church picked a woman who makes a difference award for the Missionary Society to give her the whole denomination, my mother got the first. I don't know how many people across the country knew her, but the missionaries did. She wrote and sent things, and I've delivered food and all sorts of things. Mother didn't like to be out front. But there were a lot of people who knew she was behind the scenes. And that's what God says, with long life will I satisfy and show him my salvation. And thank God that provision is accurate. I thank God many, many times for what I've seen God do to bring satisfaction. God guarantees you will live long enough to accomplish what he wants done. God guarantees that life will give you all that it's capable of giving to bring fulfillment. That's our insurance. What kind of peace do you have? Has a policy been issued in your name? It was paid for. All you got to do is pick it up. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We have prayer meetings on Sunday night. Some people may object. I feel sorry for them. Because I know what prayer does. And I know the satisfaction that God gives. And I know when it's all said and done and we see it the way God sees it, we'll agree with him. He didn't say we'd agree with it, we went through it. But I said when it's all over and we see it as God saw it, we'll agree with him. I'd like for the worship team to come. And I'd like for us to sing the solid, about the solid rock. If that's your testimony, let it show. Let God hear it. If it's not, you don't have a policy hey, we'd love to introduce you to the one that saved Christopher, the one who is protected, the one who can help each and every one of us 
God loves us. And he's got angels ready to guard and to keep and to protect and do whatever you need to have done. Just because you're important to him. You're his beloved. Did you know there is no one in the whole world, past, present, or future, more important to God than you? So let him give you a policy. He's already paid for it. Let's stand to sing. Let's obey God as we sing.